This is Sandra Beck, and I'm an Internet brand strategist for 20 years with CBS, Disney, and the United States military, live on Act Local Marketing for Small Businesses. Act Local Marketing for Small Business, episode 131. There's no stopping us right now. I feel so close to you right now. Welcome to Act Local, marketing for small business with your host, Kaylin Amadio. Kaylin helps smart, savvy, and motivated business owners like you kick it up a notch online, even if you've tried and been disappointed before, or technology just isn't your thing. Act Local will leave you with more ideas, more understanding, and more knowledge about why and how harnessing the internet gives you the power to bring your business to the next level. Whether you need help with online media, social media, video, or mobile marketing, Act Local will guide you into the 21st century with easy tips, tricks, and techniques that get your local business seen and heard. Each week, Kaylin features a new tip you can use today, as well as a range of guest experts who are passionate about helping local business owners thrive. And now here's your host, digital media maven, Kaylin Amadio. Welcome to Act Local Marketing for Small Business. This is episode 131, and I am the boomer gal, Kaylin Amadio. You know, every week here on Act Local Marketing, I'm going to share a strategy with you, and I call it today's takeaway. You can always take it with you right now, put it in your pocket, take it back to your desk, implement it, and it will help you grow your business. And I also invite a special guest expert that's going to help you with some aspects of growing your business. And today's guest is an author and a successful entrepreneur who is more than ready to share the golden nuggets from her best-selling book. So stay tuned. Now, because it's going to come up in the interview today, I already know this, I want to explain you. Remember I love Lucy? I don't know why this popped into my head when Desi Arnaz would say, Lucy, you got some explaining to do. Anyway, as I digress, here's my explaining for you today. I want to tell you about membership sites. Do you know what a membership site is? It's a website that charges a membership fee and creates an ongoing recurring income for its owner. So I'm going to get straight to today's takeaway, this action item that I promised you. You could put in your pocket, take it back to your desk, you know the rest. So there is a good article at Copy Blogger, and that is a very popular internet marketing website, online marketing website, copyblogger.com is where you can find it. And the title of the article is Seven Tips for Creating and Running Your First Membership Site. So the first tip is to start, even if you don't think you're ready yet, I know that the stumbling block here is often you not thinking you have enough content to run a monthly membership site. And that's, that's the stumbling block that often holds people back. But if you start, believe me, what will happen is you will create the content. It sort of um, forces you to get into the habit of creating the content that you're going to need so that you can share it with your members. Now, number two, learn from membership sites that you already may belong to. You know, what do they do? What do you like about that site? Analyze it a little bit. What kinds of things do they offer? You don't have to reinvent the wheel here. You, you can duplicate things that you already know that you like and that would work for your kind of audience. 
Number three is give members insider access to you. That's often why people join membership sites is they want to get closer to you and um, the things that you provide and offer and the wisdom that you share. Now, a fourth thing you should be doing is consider running group events and challenges amongst your members. It creates a, an energy and it builds a sense of community when you have events or challenges. That's a really good idea. Number five is to give away some free memberships. You know, it could be scholarships. Uh, you could invite people who you know would be ideal members, ask them, you know, give them a free membership and ask them to come and participate in the community. It's always a good idea to give away a little something for free. Number six, make sure members can easily find their way around the site as it grows. Imagine how much content there will be on your membership site after a year, right? There's going to be a lot of content. So make it easy for people to use. Give them a clear path of navigation to get around the site as it continues to grow and develop. And finally, and this is really important, keep this in mind, this is true of more than just membership sites. Don't be afraid to shift and adapt based on what your membership wants, right? A web community should be an evolving entity. It shouldn't be a static thing. So what you wrote down on paper and what you thought your membership site was going to be about a year or two years or three years later can be morphing based on the membership. And that's okay. It should. It should evolve. So drop me a line to ask at actlocalmarketing.com and I'll help you strategize your first membership site and the technology behind it. We didn't even talk about the technology issues, but it's there's very little in the world that's rocket science except rocket science and brain surgery. So it's not all that hard when you have a guide that can help you through it. And that is today's takeaway. So please contact me. Find me on Facebook or Twitter or Google Plus or YouTube. You can find me all over the place in social media. You know that. And please tell your social media followers about the podcast. ActLocalMarketing.com is where they can find it. Subscribe to the podcast. Leave me a review on iTunes. Those reviews are very uh, important to me. They, they help me grow the podcast. Now it's time for a short break, but when we get back, my guest today, Robbie Baxter, is here, and she's ready to step to the front of the room. So stay tuned. I feel so close to you right now. Tax Local is the place where busy entrepreneurs like you gain more ideas, more understanding, and more knowledge about why and how harnessing the Internet gives them the power to bring their business to the next level. Kaylin returns after a short break with more strategies and techniques to develop your inner warrior. We'll be right back. Ag Local fans, this is Kaylin Amadio, and I have an exciting announcement. Today, October 7th, 2014, I'm launching a new podcast to celebrate the realization of a dream. You've heard me speak often on Act Local about the book I've been writing. Well, that book is becoming a reality. I have a contract to publish The Boomer's Ultimate Guide to Social Media. Soon, baby boomers everywhere will have all my strategies and guidelines in one swell book that'll help them build a map to social media success. To help promote The Boomer's Ultimate Guide to Social Media and subsequent books in this series, I've put together The Boomer's Ultimate Guide podcast, 
where boomers like me and like you can come together to learn, share, and grow a thriving business and a vibrant life. This podcast is 30 minutes in length and comes in both audio and video formats. I interview guest experts on business, finance, health, wellness, longevity, food, sex, dating, and more. You don't want to miss this next chapter in my life because I'm going to help you live yours more fully. Check out Boomer's Ultimate Guide Podcast.com. So close to you right now. Welcome to Act Local, marketing for small business with your host, Kaylin Amadio. Kaylin helps smart, savvy, and motivated business owners like you kick it up a notch online, even if you've tried and been disappointed before, or technology just isn't your thing. Act Local will leave you with more ideas, more understanding, and more knowledge about why and how harnessing the internet gives you the power to bring your business to the next level. And now here's your host, digital media maven, Kaylin Amadio. Welcome back. This is Kaylin Amadio, and you are listening to Act Local, marketing for small business. And as promised, you know, like I do every week, I have another fabulous guest for you. So I want to introduce you to Robbie Kelman Baxter. She is the founder of Peninsula Strategies, LLC, a management consulting firm, as well as the author of a very hot new release in sales and selling at Amazon. Her book is called The Membership Economy. She coined that popular business term, membership economy, which is now being used by organizations and journalists all over this country and beyond. Her clients have included large organizations like Netflix and SurveyMonkey and Yahoo, as well as dozens of smaller venture-backed companies. Now, over the course of her career, Robbie has worked in or consulted to clients in more than 20 industries. And before starting Peninsula Strategies back in 2001, she served as a New York City Urban Fellow. She consulted at Booz Allen and Hamilton and was a Silicon Valley product marketer. Now, as a public speaker, Robbie has presented to thousands of people in corporations, associations, excuse me, and universities, and she's been quoted in or written articles for major media outlets, which would include CNN, Consumer Reports, New York Times, Wall Street Journal. Are you getting my point here? Robbie knows what she's talking about, and we are so lucky to have her. Robbie, welcome to Act Local Marketing for Small Business. Thanks so much, Kaylin. I'm really glad to be here. I'm glad you have time for us. I always talk to our guests uh, before we actually start recording, and I'm always thankful when someone on the opposite coast from me, three hours time difference, has has time to uh, get up a little earlier and be on be on the air with us. So I really appreciate it. Now you don't know this necessarily, but the first time I meet someone on the podcast. I typically ask them for their entrepreneurial journey. And I always say in a nutshell, you know, because we, we're not going to spend an hour educating everyone on your entrepreneurial journey. But I do, <laughs> like, I do like to collect them. You know, there's always a common thread. So if you could indulge me and just give me a little bit more about your entrepreneurial journey. And also, why did you end up writing this book? Sure. Well, you know, my entrepreneurial journey actually started when I was a little girl. I was the kind of kid that was always putting on, you know, garage sales, carnivals, bake sales, 
uh, babysitting clubs, you know, anything I could think of that I thought people would be willing to spend money for and be mm -hmm. appreciative of. So I was very value conscious as a kid. And uh, that was my idea of a good time. Um, and then, you know, as an adult, I kind of journeyed away. I, you know, as, as you mentioned, I worked uh, for the city of New York, which is kind of the opposite of entrepreneurial, although it was a, a really interesting experience uh, trying to keep companies uh, from moving out of the city and keeping, uh, oh. keep, keeping uh, revenues and tax dollars within the five boroughs. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and that was great. Um, but then when I, when I moved out to California, I was really interested in entrepreneurship and uh, new business models. And, uh, you know, I got laid off uh, five years into my, you know, career as a product marketer. I got laid off while I was on maternity leave. And I said, you know, I got to control my own career and I've got to control my own destiny. And so, you know, I'd, I'd been very involved in the entrepreneurial community during business school. Um, you know, I'd worked for entrepreneurs and I said, I'm going to start my own consulting firm. That way, you know, I'll be paid for the value I provide. Right. And, you know, if, if clients are left in a better condition from having worked with me, they will be happy to pay. So that was really kind of the, the starting point. And, you know, the work I did, uh, especially about the, you know, two years into the consulting, I, uh, I started doing work for Netflix and I fell in love with their business model, and I saw that they were doing something really different from other organizations, mm -hmm. and that became the focus of my work and led pretty naturally into writing of this book, which really just documents that massive transformation that I was seeing, which, I, which I've called the membership economy. Okay, I get it. And we all know, uh, in hindsight, the value that Netflix created in, in their new business model and what happened to Blockbuster. You know, everyone saw it at this point, so so you know that. Um, tell us, what is the membership economy? Give us the definition. Sure. The, the membership economy is a massive transformational trend that we're seeing in virtually every industry um, with nonprofits and for-profit organizations small, you know, small mom and pops, independent thought leaders, and the largest of organizations. And it's about a move from ownership to access and a change in focus from the transactional to the relational. And ultimately is about having a long-term formal relationship with the customer in which communication is not one way or two way but eventually and ultimately multi-directional among customers as well as back and forth between the customer and the organization. Okay. I, I can sort of envision that. You know, if there were a chart in front of me, I can sort of see those, you know, the lines between those connections. Yep. Now, why do you think this shift has happened? I mean, marketing, you know, everyone loved Mad Men, you know, the TV show. <laughs> and, and we saw the way companies talked us into buying, you know, their products. So why has this shift been happening? Why is it happening now? Because we were able, we as, we as entrepreneurs are able to have a more direct relationship with our customers. So when you think about Mad Men, what they were trying to do is bridge the gap between these big brands and the people who bought products. Um, without being able to have a real relationship, a real conversation, um, you know, anything that's kind of ongoing and formal. And today we have all kinds of technologies that are extending the infrastructure of trust. They're allowing us to build 
relationships with with people directly um, over time and space. Things like uh, the ability to uh, to generate user content and post it, the low prices of storage and distribution of of information, uh, mobile devices that allow you to connect with somebody at all times, uh, the ability to 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 track, store, and analyze behavioral data about your customers, so you can really get to know them and use that data to provide better and more personalized experiences. All of that are all of those are tools for entrepreneurs to build a more intimate relationship with their customers and to create what I call a forever transaction. Right. And that was actually my next question. So the technology, you know, thank you, Al Gore, for inventing the Internet. (laughs) So this technology, we've we've seen all the changes that it's wrought, but I hadn't really thought of it in these terms before. It's given us the ability to actually connect with that consumer that we never had before. The technology didn't exist or, or it was so phenomenally expensive, right? you know, to try and keep track of all the people that could were your customers or potentially could be. And now because we have uh, the internet and all these social platforms, this has become much easier and far less expensive and more accessible. Even down, you mentioned mom and pop before. Mm-hmm. All the way down from top to bottom in size of business. Yeah, absolutely. So the, my, my neighborhood bookstore um, here in Menlo Park, California, Kepler's, has actually gone to a membership model. Hmm. So um, what they realized is that with the rise of organizations like Amazon that make it really cheap to get virtually any, any book that you want, right. people didn't really want to go to bookstores to buy volumes of books anymore, you mm-hmm. know. Maybe we go to buy a book because we need it quickly, but but if we're going to buy 10 books, like for our kids' summer reading list, we're going to order it online. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what, they, what they've realized is we are still willing to pay to be part of a community of thinkers, to have access to new ideas and idea makers, and that, you know, to, to some extent, that's what you do um, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a radio host and, and, and podcaster, um, but it's also what bookstores do. You know, they give people an opportunity to connect with with thinkers and ideas. And so they created a model where you pay for access to those ideas and they still sell books. um, But that's not their that's not how they make money anymore. Very interesting. All right. So you had mentioned you have a a few terms that I know are are from the book. The first that you mentioned is a forever transaction. So tell us what that is. What's a forever transaction? A forever transaction is what happens to most people when they sign up for Netflix. Um, you know, you, you, you sign up and as long as they continue, you know, the, the promise of Netflix is that they're going to provide you with high quality, long playing content. That's, that's television shows and movies. And they're going to provide it to you in the most technologically sophisticated and efficient way that's easiest for you. And you know, as long as they honor their end of the bargain, we keep paying every month. Right. So it's it's forever. And it's the idea that organizations can move beyond providing a product and instead deliver on their, their promise and that people are willing to pay on an ongoing basis, make one transaction, which results in an auto pay that goes on forever without ever rethinking that decision. You know, if you have a transactional model, like let's say you sell a bunch of different products, 
you might have the same customer come back over and over again, but each time they're making a new decision. And we know it's hard. Every time you get someone to make a decision, that's hard work. That's madmen work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking about uh, gyms, right? Yeah. So gyms notoriously over a long period of time have worked that way that, you know, the $10 a month it for a great number of people is no hardship. And they know that the gym is there. It's got long hours. You can show up when you want to show up or not, as, as, many people, <laughs> you know, as many people don't. I think if everyone who actually had a membership showed up, the gym would be in trouble. But they know not everyone's going to show up. So as part of having a successful membership economy with your, your customers, a low price point so that it doesn't really pain us? Well... You know, you're, I think you're on to something. It's, it's about providing so much value that the price is not relevant. Right. Okay. That, that's a better that's, way to say it. Sure. Well, because sometimes it's expensive. I mean, there's some memberships that we pay a lot of money for. We pay a lot of money for insurance. Right. Right. On some level, that's a membership. It's, it's about mitigating our risk. And we say, you know what? It's worth it to me right. to pay health insurance in case something happens. Right. Okay. Yep. That's a much better way to say it. So explain to me, you have another term called a super user. What's a super user? So a super, we, we all know what, what a target customer looks like or what a great customer looks like or a great member. You know, that's somebody who uses our products and services regularly and well and pays on time. You know, that's pretty much the, the definition yeah, right. of, a, of a good customer. Um, a super user goes beyond that and they actually improve the quality of the experience for their peers. So this is somebody who, um, who, in addition to using the products well and regularly, they also um, give feedback to the organization to help make the organization better. So they mm-hmm. say, hey, here's some product feedback, or just wanted to let you know you were out of stock here, or this doesn't work, or this was really great, and I'd love to get more of it, and I'd pay for it. Um, they also help their peers. So like if you think about Salesforce, um, you know, the big uh, software as a service company here in San Francisco, mm-hmm. they have a community of, um, of Salesforce administrators, people who use the product. They help each other. Um, they post on these boards. They uh, participate in physical conferences where they actually go to a, to a location together and they do speeches and help one another. Um, they call their super users MVPs. They have a special term for it. And MVPs are people who... Um, participate actively in the community, um, educate their peers on on ways to get more out of Salesforce, give feedback to Salesforce leadership, and um, they get a lot of swag. They get, you know, really, like this year at Dreamforce, their big conference, they all got these really cool Converse high tops with little clouds on them and the Salesforce logo. <laughs> um, you know, they get they get cool stuff, but, you know, right. what's, really, what's really interesting is that these super users are giving their own time to improve the quality of the experience for their peers. They also act as advocates, but they're doing it on their own time because the community means so much to them. Um, you also see it, you know, my sister is a CrossFitter. I don't, mm-hmm. are you familiar with the Church of the Holy CrossFit? Uh, I know about <laughs> CrossFit, yes. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, she has a full-time job. She's a psychologist. Um, she has two kids. Her life is really busy. Um she writes a blog under a pseudonym um, encouraging people 
who are not as athletic to stay with CrossFit and, you know, sharing the journey from a psychologist's perspective. She um, has recruited literally dozens of people to her CrossFit box. You know, she goes regularly when the, when the box is closed, that's their name for their, their gym. Right. She, um, she and her husband host a CrossFit driveway in front of their house where they have their own equipment and they put it out on the street and they invite all their, their friends to come and get their workouts in. And, you know, they're doing it for no money, no recognition because she does it under a pseudonym. Um, it's just because CrossFit is so meaningful to her and it's been such a big part of her life that she actually dedicates something like 10 hours a week to improving the condition of the CrossFit community. Right. You know, a lot of people hear something like that and and they think first off in their head, that's crazy. Why is somebody spending so much time? But I think it, if they look at their own lives, mm. there's often something you've been involved in in your life. It might be a nonprofit. It might be a company, any kind of organization, right? Yeah. But it was so important to you and it made such an impact on you personally that you became an advocate for yes. that product or service or whatever it, it was. For me, for example, I've studied martial arts for a very long time. And you see oh, wow. this in any kind of martial arts school. You know, there are some very dedicated students because it's making a huge impact on their lives. And they love it. They love being involved in it. And they just want to do more. So they end up becoming teachers, you know, they volunteer their time, they they help at the tests, they they just volunteer. And it's yeah. it's not uncommon at all. And I'm sure if you examine your life, those of you who are listening, you'll find whether it's your church or synagogue or there's some place in your life where you've dedicated some of your time because that cause mattered to you somehow. Yeah, absolutely. And those are the super users, right? Yes, and and what's really interesting is that you can create super users in your own community. So so you know I know there's lots of entrepreneurs listening. Um, think about how you can create the environment for your best your best customers to become super users. Right, and and you also have to figure out how to reward them. Yeah, well. Yes, absolutely. But but a lot of the reward is intrinsic. In other words, it's not because I'm getting a present. Mm-hmm. It's because I'm getting a good feeling from doing it. Right. And you can, you can, you know, the way I think about it is sometimes you artificially reward behaviors, especially early on. That's what gamification is all about. Right. Um, and then when people start to get, you know, that just gets people doing the right behaviors. But then when they get the organic or the intrinsic benefits, you don't need to do anything for them anymore. So, so for example, you know, um, my sister doesn't get anything for the stuff she does, but what she does get is, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you know, Abraham Maslow, the psychologist from the, I guess the 1940s mm-hmm. said, once our, once our physiological needs have been met, all people are striving for the same things, which are first, we want to mitigate risk. Um, that's why I gave you the insurance example. Second, right. we want to belong we want to be recognized. We want that, you know, cheers bar experience where people know our name and kind of understand our quirks and mm-hmm. are respectful of them. Then we want, um, we want to be held in you know, self-esteem. We want to be held in high regard by our peers. We want people to say, oh, you know, 
there's Kaylin. She is so great at martial arts and she's been so helpful to so many of us. And she's a real role model for me. You know, that, that feeling is a nice feeling when, right. when people appreciate what you've accomplished and what you've worked so hard for, and they recognize the contribution you're making. And then ultimately we all want, we want to self-actualize. We want to achieve our full potential. So organizations that deliberately focus on those things for their members um, are more likely to create super users. Right. So uh, I'm, I'm starting to see why this is appealing both to the, the company, you know, or the nonprofit, as well as to the people who uh, use the products or services or even, I guess, work for the company. Yeah. Oh, or absolutely. the nonprofit, right? So this yeah. is appealing on both sides and it's good B2B and B2C, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. And, and you brought up a really interesting point that I'm, I'm thinking about now, and I think, you know, maybe this could be a new book. I don't know. But, you know, it's also true of your employees Mm -hmm. because they want to belong too. And so, you know, you spend 8, 10, 12 hours working. Um, If you're not lucky enough, uh, you know, or confident enough to to start your own endeavor, um, you want to work someplace where the work has meaning and where you feel like you belong and people appreciate you for your contributions. Um, and it's definitely true, you know, Salesforce, B2B, it's definitely true in, in CrossFit, which is B2C. Um, it can be true. And, you know, it's, it's even true in, um, you know, what, what they call D2C, direct to consumer, you know, the stuff like the, the infomercials and the selling of products, which used to have to go through the Mad Men uh, through advertising and then bought, bought through a distributor like a store or, um, or an e-commerce provider. Now they can go direct and build that kind of relationship and that kind of um, super user uh, without having to go through a third party. Right. Oh, I hadn't even thought about that. And once again, you know, thank you, technology. That, mm-hmm. That's made it possible. You know, the, some people talk about the world being flat again, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah. um, we can reach anyone, anywhere, anytime mm-hmm. now. So. In fact, we were batting around an, an idea in an office that I was uh, visiting yesterday. We said, what if it was actually everyone uh, was awake at the same time and slept at the same time, regardless of where they were on the globe? Hmm. Ooh, how weird would that be? And then somebody said, oh, no, your circadian rhythms, you can't do that. We're supposed to sleep at night. Be up during, And I thought, okay, good yeah, but point. Was- but, but actually, like, this is interesting because actually there's a lot of things that we're supposed to do that we don't do anymore, right? We're, right? The fastest people are supposed to be the ones that live the longest because they can avoid the animals. But now that we have, you know, houses and fences and all these other things, that's no longer true. You know, people like me that have poor eyesight are supposed to be dead by the time they're 12, right? You're supposed to be eaten by a tiger. And, you know, I have <laughs> and glasses. And that's not happening. <laughs> stay, stay out of the zoo and you'll be fine. Right. I'm sure if, if, this, if, if, if the world would be a better place if we all were awake at the same time, um, I bet we could figure out ways to, to adjust for our natural rhythms. I think this is interesting. Yeah, you, you, might, you might be right. And then there's always going to be, you know, those who do not want to go along with the crowd who are going to do just the opposite. So there'll be the contingent of people who are awake when the rest of us are asleep. Right. Right. The contrarian. Right. The contrarians. Right. Um, This is fascinating. I have a couple more questions for you, but can you hold on through a break for me? Terrific. 
You are listening to Act Local Marketing for Small Business with my guest today, Robbie Kelman Baxter. We're going to take a very quick break and we'll be right back. Thank you. Act Local is the place where busy entrepreneurs like you gain more ideas, more understanding, and more knowledge about why and how harnessing the internet gives them the power to bring their business to the next level. Kaylin returns after a short break with more strategies and techniques to develop your inner warrior. We'll be right back. Once there was a smart baby boomer that loved her business. She knew that to grow it, she would need marketing. So she went for a search on the internet and came across all sorts of social media. She went on all the sites and opened accounts, but after starting profiles on all of them, she began to feel overwhelmed. To do all the marketing experts told her to do was just too big a task. She needed a change. Because she was a smart entrepreneur, she chose two of the popular social media sites to market her business. But after months and months, it didn't seem to make any difference. And she saw other savvy business owners using different sites here and blogging over there. When suddenly, she noticed more clever baby boomers going to iKalen.com and leaving so happy, she just had to see for herself. iKalen.com helped her make a marketing plan to grow her business that wasn't too big and wasn't too little. It was just right. So close to you right now. Welcome to Act Local, marketing for small business with your host, Kaylin Amadio. Kaylin helps smart, savvy, and motivated business owners like you kick it up a notch online, even if you've tried and been disappointed before or technology just isn't your thing. Act Local will leave you with more ideas, more understanding, and more knowledge about why and how harnessing the internet gives you the power to bring your business to the next level. And now here's your host, digital media maven, Kaylin Amadio. Hey now, it's Kaylin Amadio, and you've been listening to Act Local Marketing for Small Business with my guest today, Robbie Kelman Baxter. She is the author of The Membership Economy, and uh, she is a consultant. She's worked with all sizes of organizations on this concept of the membership economy, and that's what we've been talking about. And she's uh, she's been describing it for us, what it means. And think, Netflix is a really good example of a you know a, you know a business that created a membership model, and it became more than just a membership model. I mean, think about it: Orange is the New Black and House of Cards. They're more than just a ship you a DVD and send it back when you feel like it company. They've grown into more than that and they're creating their own sub subculture because they're developing product for us, not just a um, you know a conduit to bring us that product. So we've been talking about the ideas of the forever transaction and what a super user is, you know those those great advocates that can become part of your your business or your organization. So Robbie how how are we going to build the engagement amongst our members? Because you you had talked about the business or the organization, you know, is creating content, is is facilitating 
these relationships and wanting cre- to create these relationships with their best you know, consumers, you know, we'd all like to have a hundred of our ideal clients, right? You know, we just have to spend time finding them. But they, if you're building a community, then those clients are also building relationships with one another. So how, how do we build all that engagement amongst our members? Yeah, it's a great question. So there's, there's a, there's a, there's a bunch of pieces that come together because what you ultimately want to do is you want to have a business model where all the pieces fit together. So, so for example, you want to, you know, I always encourage my clients to consider a freemium model. And I think especially for, for a lot of the people that are listening, this is something that's really worth considering. And it's the idea that there is a paid subscription and there's a free subscription. So free plus premium equals freemium. Mm-hmm. And it's the idea that you're giving something away forever. And there's three reasons that you would do that. One of them is if that's a way of building awareness and trial for your paid offering. A second, that's kind of the main reason that most people use freemium. But a second reason is when there's a networked effect. So you brought up this idea that people are talking, you know, your members are talking to each other and creating value for each other without you having to do anything. Mm -hmm. So they're actually creating the value that people are willing to pay for. So that's, you know, a network effect is that each new member that joins your community creates more value for the people who are already there. So this is true of most communities. This is true. Um, it's definitely true for Skype, right? If, if you know, you and I are talking on Skype right now, but if I'm not a member of Skype, then it's less valuable to you because you can't have this conversation. Right. Um, so Skype lets everybody join for free because they want a big community. LinkedIn wants a big community. They let everybody join for free. A small group of people pay. So that's a second reason. And then the third reason that people would, um, you know, why you would invest in freemium is if your free members serve as a marketing channel. That is, you know, I may never pay for LinkedIn, but I encourage other people to sign up for LinkedIn and those people pay. Right. So, so those are, so those are three things that you can consider to, to kind of extend the reach of your, of your community and build that kind of, that tight engagement. Um, you know, you, you put the community out there, you bring in, you know, a lot of people say, I don't want to let people participate in my community unless they pay. And that can be tricky because then you have a very small number of people participating. So there's less activity. Right. Um, and, and it's also hard for them to know. It might be difficult for a consumer to make the choice mm-hmm. to pay if they're not sure if it's going to have the value right. that they want it to have. Right. So getting we were, to try it for free first and starting to, if that's valuable to you, then the paid model has to be more valuable. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, yesterday I was, I was working all day with a, with a, with a client company and they were lamenting what they call their margarita glass of a sales funnel. You know, so in other mm-hmm. words, they said, we have all these people that visit our site and like look at one thing and disappear and never give us their email address. And that's like the wide top part of your margarita glass. Right. And they said, and then it gets really small for who the customers are. So they have, you know, 98% of people, they don't even get their email address. And then 2% of them spend, you know, 300, 400, $500 with them. And they were trying, they wanted more of a, you know, of a triangle shape of an inverted pyramid. And freemium allows you to do that. You're letting people engage, letting them try. Um, you also want to put different levels of what people can buy, like how, how deeply they can engage different tiers so people can increase their involvement. You don't want to make that jump too big. Right. 
Um, and then the other thing you want to think about is the experience of the people who join you. So once somebody joins you, what kind of, of communication do they get and what kind of positive feedback do they get? Because you want to teach them the behaviors that are going to give them the value that is going to make them change their habits right. and use your products. Because if they're not using your products, then eventually they're going to cancel. There's so much psychology behind this. My goodness. Yes. Yes. There's a lot. But I mean, there's, you know, there's a lot of psychology in, in business. I mean, people's behavior is, is not always, it's not always logical. And, to and it's be, not always good for them. And it's right. It's not always good for them. I mean, I'm a big believer in, you know, like I always say to my clients, you want to start by saying, what is the ethical thing? You want to feel like however it is that you're selling and packaging your value, that is in your client's best interest. So like when I hear these stories about gyms that um, are relying on the fact that people are going to sign up and never use it and forget about the transaction and keep paying even though they don't get any value. Yeah. That's to me, that's unethical. Right. You know, um, even if it, even if it works from a psychological perspective, um, hard sell a lot of, um, a lot of direct to consumer companies do a hard sell when you try to cancel. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's unethical. Right. So, you know, the, the ethical thing is you provide something that has a lot of value. You make sure that they get the experience of value early on and you track for engagement so that when people's behavior changes in a negative way, you can follow up immediately and fix it. Right. Those okay. are, those are the ways that you build engagement. Okay. So let's bring in, you had talked about LinkedIn. Uh, you, you probably are not aware of this because you and I don't actually know each other, but I have my first book coming out. And oh, it's called, thank Congratulations. You, thank you. It's called The Boomer's Ultimate Guide to Social Media Marketing. Uh, I'm a baby boomer. A lot of my clients are baby boomers. So I, I sort of look to always be helping the over 50 crowd uh, sort of wrap their heads and arms around this whole digital movement that's been happening so that they can effectively use it in their businesses. So how can how can we use these social platforms that already exist as part of our membership economy is there is there any yes. unique advantage to doing that oh yeah absolutely so you know i think that uh these these social media platforms are great places to build awareness and to begin to build engagement so you know ultimately you want to have your your community under your kind of under your auspices you know because then you have, you know, you can design something that's that's optimized for them. You kind of control the ex the full experience, and you get the data. Um, but as a means of building awareness and building community, uh, you know, so LinkedIn is great for your professional community, obviously. And mm -hmm. now they allow you to uh, to blog, um, yes. and your blog can go out both to the people that you know, your first degree connections, but also other levels of connections. And it's very easy to share. Um, and you can post it to your group. So there's a lot of room. I don't want to be a LinkedIn board, but there's a lot of room there for, for, for building awareness and engagement and credibility through LinkedIn. Right. Um, Twitter is a great way to connect with new people um, and get your voice out there. And, um, and the same with, with Facebook. It's a way of gathering the people who know you and then bringing in new, new people. So these are just all channels of finding, you know, I have been, you know, since my book has come out, I have met so many people through my activity on Twitter, through Facebook, through LinkedIn, 
Um, and it's led to some, you know, real life conversations and, and client relationships. So yeah, it's great, great stuff. Um, I would also say that to your listeners that, um, you know, posting reviews of books by your favorite authors. So when, when Kaylin's book comes out, posting those reviews on your favorite, um, uh, commerce platforms that, you know, Amazon or Barnes and Noble, it's so valuable for your, for your author friends. Um, because it's a way of, of connecting with other book lovers and sharing your honest feedback. So, you know, I, I would put that plug in for you that, thank, you know, I, <laughs> I was going to say thank you. I'd pat you on the back <laughs> if I could reach it you. It really, you know, as an author, I know it really matters to the, to the algorithm and it really matters to, you know, people looking at the books. They're looking for authentic, you know, authentic feedback. And this is user-generated conduct, this is content. This is what we were talking about kind of the core of, of social networking. You know, if you post your reviews, other people can read it and say, this is a person like me and what they're saying resonates. And I think I want to get this book. Right. And, and the book, people who read books and people who write books really are great communities. I mean, that community has been yeah. around forever, of course, but I've, I've discovered, I've always been a reader of books clearly but now as i've become an author and i have a book coming out i'm starting to realize the strength of the author community uh in so, you know in social media not just in real yeah. life but in social media it's it's very interesting and i'm sure that's probably true in a lot of different types of communities you just have to go out there in these social media platforms and certain ones will be better than others for you depending on what your business is but you will find communities of people who care about what you care about. Where, what have you been doing with the author community? What, so what has worked for you? My favorite, helpful? my favorite social media platform is Twitter. So I probably spend more of my time on Twitter than any place else. And there are a lot, you know, a lot of authors in Twitter and they really work to help promote one another's uh, books to their fans, you know, and some, you know, some famous authors are going to have tens of thousands of followers, but none of them bat an eye over, uh, you know, making sure that their followers know you exist and they should come follow you and, you know, sharing information. I did this, I did that, I found this resource. They're just really engaged and entrenched in helping one another um, level up the entire profession. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, I'm, it's really I'm great. Trying, I'm trying to get my publisher, McGraw-Hill, to create an author community mm. for all of their authors to help each other. Right. No, so that's, a see, great, that's a great idea. See if idea. it happens. Yeah, that's a great <laughs> idea. They should. And those of you listening, you need to visit Robbie's website, membershipeconomy.com. That's where you can, I, mean, I assume they can find a link to the book. Yep. And they can read more about the book probably and probably about all her services and the different companies she's helped and how she she may be able to help you if you feel so inclined. So you can go to www.membershipeconomy.com or I have her permission to share her email address. And remember that when I when I put the podcast up at the website actlocalmarketing.com, uh, if you search up uh, Robbie's name or membership economy in in the search bar you will be able to uh, hone in exactly on this particular episode of the podcast so if you're on the treadmill at that gym that you're paying ten dollars a month for <laughs> and I applaud you for actually being there 
and using the treadmill, I don't want you to get off. Just keep in mind, you can always come back to actlocalmarketing.com and search for this particular episode. And you can, you'll find the link to her website and you will find this email address, Robbie, which is R-O-B-B-I-E, R-O-B-B-I-E at membershipeconomy.com. So, Robbie Baxter, it's been wonderful meeting you today. Yeah, you too. It's been a lot of fun talking to you. I've really enjoyed it. And those of you out there, I'm sure you you gathered many golden nuggets as I did. You know, that's always my goal every week is to bring you another wonderful guest that will share all of their golden nuggets so that uh, we can all keep moving the economy forward by growing our businesses and, and becoming more prosperous, not just in business, but in our lives. So until next time, I very much would like you all to take care. Join Kaylin for more marketing madness each week on Act Local Marketing. It will leave you with more ideas, more understanding, and more knowledge about why and how harnessing the internet gives you the power to bring your business to the next level. Act Local Marketing for Small Business goes live every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern and can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, and at actlocalmarketing.com. Have a question for Act Local? Email Kaylin at ask at actlocalmarketing.com. That's A-S-K at actlocalmarketing.com. And she may answer you right on air. Make sure to include your name and business website for a free shout out. Don't forget to tell your friends and colleagues about Act Local and leave Kaylin a review at the iTunes store. See you next time on Act Local Marketing for Small Business.